Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Chris Brown. For more information on our church, visit c3church.narara.net. So, we're all about bringing glory to God, are we not? This is uh, what we're talking about and everything we should do, we do, should uh, fulfill that, that m- number one purpose, including the way we manage our money. And so we're talking about glorifying God financially. And uh, we're talking three different ways we can do that. Last week we spoke about the right attitude we have towards money, um, which we can sum up in the word stewardship that is the understanding that everything we have is ultimately God's and that we're just expected to be good managers or good stewards of all that, uh, all the resources that we have. And then we're going to talk about walking by faith in terms of our finances, believing for God's provision, but more than that, believing for God's blessing. Because when you're blessed, you can be a blessing. And if your heart's right, you can be a really good blessing. Uh, And so we're going to hear... More from that. In fact, Zach uh, is going to be sharing next week on those lines. But today I want to talk about generosity. Because if we're giving generously, then we can really bring honor and glory to God. It's going to please Him. Now, of course, giving generously isn't unique to the Christian faith. Because many people understand the importance and the, the value, the, the joy of giving. And uh, it can be from... You know, Bill Gates, the rich philanthropist, through his foundation, donating billions of dollars to good causes, right down to a little kid in kindergarten shouting his mate a milkshake with his pocket money at the school canteen. And so right through, everyone gets the opportunity to to discover the joy of giving. But what I've observed is that What we and what naturally many people consider being generous is really just scratching the surface of what we are really created for and called to. Because if we're going to glorify God through our giving, we have to do it His way. We've got to do our giving His way. And He sets the bar quite high. So we find ourselves drawn up to a whole new level of generosity. What can be quite radical, can be kind of uncomfortable sometimes, can, can be quite sacrificial, but it's, it's awesome. It's, it's got benefits and it brings glory to God, which is what we're talking about. F.B. Meyer, the famous um, Bible teacher, said this, he is the richest man in the esteem of the world who has gotten the most, but he is the richest man in the esteem of heaven who has given the most. And that's what we're talking about. Where are you looking for esteem? Sometimes it's just a little short-sighted and looking around down here. But Jesus said, store up treasures in heaven. And we do that with our generosity. And, of course, it begins with tithing, which is technically not even giving because we're just returning a portion to God of what is essentially his. And this is why it's the foundation of practicing good stewardship. It reminds us of who really owns everything that we might have in our hands. And God's always provided a means for us to keep this awareness. Right at the beginning in the Garden of Eden, God set the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
uh, and he said it there and said, you, he said to Adam and Eve, uh, you can have all that you like, but don't touch this one. So it was within their reach, but it wasn't for them. It's available to man, but it's reserved for God. And so he did this so that Adam would have, he'd have the opportunity to demonstrate his trust in God, his love for God through obedience to God. And, uh, and so even today, you know, we've got all the promises that we've been given through Jesus in the word, but we can't receive any of them outside our obedience towards the Lord. And so here you've got this tree set apart to God. And the principle, of course, is uh, established right there. There's something that is right about leaving something for God. And, of course, that principle's reinforced through the tithe. When um, Abraham comes along, we see him tithing. Some people say, oh, it's, tithing's just part of the law. It's Old Testament. It's all done, gone, done with. It's the Mosaic law it's fulfilled in Christ. But tithing, of course, was before the law of Moses came through. Uh, and we see it going right into the New Testament. So when I tithe, I'm expressing my love, my obedience, my trust towards God by not touching what is his, by not holding on to it myself. Now, of course, uh, as I said, some people struggle with tithing. Some people have this argument. They say, oh, that's just being legalistic. Uh, I might want to give more. Well, I, you know, I, I like what Rod Irvin said. This is a guy who's an Australian Anglican minister. He's the author of a book called Giving Generously. And he answers this criticism. He says, I believe that my attitude to giving should not be motivated by a mere percentage, but by my deep love for God. However, I also believe that if I want to begin to move towards generosity, then tithing must be my starting point. My own heart is so naturally stingy that if you tell me I don't need to tithe, my giving will drift to less than one-tenth, often far less. Given that average church giving is reported to be around 3% of income, I suspect I am not alone in this. I think, because I've heard people say, oh, well, tithing, it's just stop. why stop at 10%? It's like, well, why not start at 10%? Because the implication is I might give a lot more, but I probably won't. And so, so we tithe. And we heard some um, examples this morning of the benefits uh, that comes into someone's life. And the, the, uh, the scriptures make it quite clear that we literally open up windows above our lives, windows from heaven. And, uh, and it talks about blessing coming as a result. Of course, it's not the only reason we tithe that builds the house that honors God and this that we're talking about, glorifying God. But then the Bible uh, tells us about giving. And uh, we're instructed to bring offerings to God, to his work. And the Bible's full of examples of wonderful and miraculous results that occur when people do this. And they serve as an inspiration for us, hopefully, towards to be generous towards God. And so I want to look at one of these examples, well-known story in 1 Kings chapter 17. This is uh, involving the prophet Elijah. And you may have read this. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, 1 Kings 17, verse 8 to 24. And there we have it on the screens. It says, the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath. So this is way up in the north um, of Israel, near the coast, um, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. I love that because the widow doesn't really 
know that she's been instructed uh, when she gets told what to do, um, which is wonderful how God works sometimes. Uh, and, um, and so he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. He asked her, would you please bring me a little cup of water? As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil at the bottom of the jug. I was gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. I just love this story so much. I mean, right there. Come on, we'll get back to that and talk about 60 minutes. But honestly, it's just, it, you know, it just tickles your fancy, doesn't it? Then use what's left to prepare. I mean, Brian Houston's got nothing on this, you know. Oh, look at all the money, the church, zoom in on the offering bags. You know, anyway, like I said, we'll get there, all the, the scandal potential that we've got here. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did, as, uh, as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her son continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. So this illustrates a few things. First of all, God moves miraculously on our giving. This is supernatural stuff. This was a time of drought and famine. In fact, Elijah could be thanked for that because he's the one that proclaimed there will be no rain on the land until I say so. And they went for three and a half years. And everyone's hanging on Elijah saying, you know, asking him to do something. So this woman needs a miracle. She's not exaggerating. She's going to die. This is literally her last supper that she's planning. And then God brings about this provision through her giving. Of course, God can do anything. He could have blessed her just any way he liked. But there's something about an act of generosity that releases God's power. And that's the way he's ordained it. That's the principle that he set in motion in nature, in our world. It doesn't always make sense. In fact, it usually doesn't make sense to give away something when especially it's the last bit you've got and then somehow you get more back. I remember maths. It, you know, you've... Do your subtraction sums, it, you surely you got one and you take away one, you're going to have zero. They got one meal left, they give it away, and yet it doesn't seem to work out that way. I love, uh, you know, John Bunyan, the famous author of Pilgrim's Progress, he wrote this little line, a man there was and they called him mad. The more he gave, the more he had. And so it seems mad, it seems crazy, but God's hand is on it. And so God blesses and he provides for this woman. He, he had a plan beyond just providing for his prophet. Because he said, go to this woman. I've instructed her to feed you. Because you, you, he had been at the, the, uh, the brook where the ravens were feeding him food and he was drinking the water. And then it said, just before this passage, it said the water had run out of the, because of the drought. And so then God said, now go to this woman in this other town. I'll feed you there. But God's plan was more than just 
looking after his prophet. It was for her to be blessed as well. And, of course, it came as she obeyed, as she gave according to what God had commanded to, which is worth remembering if, you know, someone's talking about giving generously in an offering because it seems like, I mean, Pastor Phil Pringle's always been a great example of this. He's been criticized because he's preached about giving. Oh, so much. I was in the church for years. And, you know, it was be uncomfortable. Talk about giving. And people automatically think, oh, he only wants my money. What do they want out of this? But he's convinced that people will be blessed when they give. And so he is not after what he can get or what his church or ministry can get. He's wanting the power of God to move into people's lives because our stinginess holds that power back. And that's exactly what's going on here. The man of God says, give me your food. Oh, oh what are you doing? Yeah, but if she does it and she does, then the blessing comes to her. So it wasn't about taking from the woman, but about showing her this amazing, miraculous, supernatural, wonderful way of provision. And it's still occurring for everyone who gives to God. It simply fulfills the many promises in Scripture that talk about God's provision. You know that passage in Philippians. says, My God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory. God's rich. And He wants to provide all our needs. And interestingly, that passage was written to the Philippians who were in the natural quite poor but were being very generous towards Paul's ministry. And on that basis, he was confident in saying, ha, I know God's going to provide all your needs because you're being generous and he's rich. And speaking of glory, this woman's sacrifice brings glory to God because others would no doubt have seen this miraculous provision. Word would have got around. Oh, you know, poor old Mabel, she was, she was going to die. You know, we all, she wandered, you know, shuffled around and said, see you, we're going to have our last meal. <laughs> okay, well, probably won't be too long after you, you know, see you, bye. And, the, and then they see her the next day. And the next day, what's going on? And she says, well, haven't you heard? I got this, I had this guy visit the man of God, the, the prophet Elijah. And he told me to give him the last, what? And then, what? And it's still going on. And it goes on and on and on. And I'm guessing that she was generous enough to share with other people and fed her whole neighborhood. And, and, and so people are going, well, this is incredible. All because this woman followed the God's commandment, gave to the man of God, and the miraculous little McMiracle burger place, Mc, you know, it's this miraculous Aunt Mabel's miracle cafe where you just rock up and get your bread and it's pretty cool. So, um, so God moves on giving. Secondly, notice the principle that whatever you need more of, that's what you give to God. Because for this woman it was food, but for someone else it could be money. It can be uh, time, it could be energy, it can be the need for love. Your harvest is always based on your seed. Not just the quantity, but the kind of seed. So, as I said, she, she gave in one sense, she gave the food and that's what she received back. Uh, everyone wants to experience loving relationships, a, a nice, healthy set of relationships with other people. But if you go around sowing nasty words and having bad attitudes towards people, then 
what are you going to get? It's like planting onions in your backyard and then being disappointed that you haven't got sweet strawberries coming up. And people are often surprised about that. They, they think, why is this happening to me? Well, it's the law of sowing and reaping. We reap what we sow. It's just a law of the universe. So if you want to be blessed financially and materially, then we need to sow financial seed towards God. Remember Kraft, uh, well, Kraft uh, cheese. Mr. Kraft, who invented the, the processing of cheese that made him rich and famous, said this, the only investment I ever made which has paid consistently increasing dividends is the money I have given to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? A very successful rich man. And, um, and yet he just saw and experienced and knew the power of giving to God. Thirdly in this story, notice, and this is the juicy bit, how radical, seemingly crazy it can be to follow God's will in regards to giving. Now, I'm not saying that you just do whatever is silly and then hope that that's God. Because I've met people like that. Well, we're just doing this. We're selling everything. We're giving it all to God. We're trusting him. Ah, that's not living by faith. That's just being silly. you know. And so we're not talking about that. We're following the Lord's will. And we heard from John and Janelle just the, the covering that comes by being in God's house, checking with other people, having some pastoral oversight, saying, what do you think? Gee, I, you know, and you, you just get yourself in a safe place by listening to what other people say, and God will show you His will. But um, but when He does, it 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 can be radical because God breaks every mold. Uh, and this is here. This is the the real, you know, sixty minutes controversy of the whole thing because you can just imagine the headlines of the local newspaper. You know, the papyrus press of the local paper or whatever it was. You know, preacher man demands last morsel of food from dying widow and son. It, it's just, Elijah, what are you doing? You know, it's, it just doesn't look good. Could you, really? Uh, but he's just obeying God. And our society has standards and expectations and a very strong view of how God should be, of how you should behave, of what the church is meant to believe. We're being told these days, well, this is, aren't you Christians meant to be like this? Well, you're supposed to be tolerant. Therefore, you should believe or accept this. Well, it's not always that tolerant. We follow what God says. And, and right here, God surprisingly doesn't live in the box that uh, we build for him. I'm being sarcastic, not surprisingly, you know, people don't like it, but that's the way it is. God loves to call people to do things totally beyond societal norms, and that's what's happening here. And so, you know, she's called to give to the man of God, which is the closest thing she had to church in her time. And so in doing so, she's making God's work, God's representative, her number one priority. And, of course, the benefits flow. And not just immediate, but that's a long-lasting provision that she was setting herself up for because that famine lasted for three and a half years and uh, the oil and the flour lasted the whole time. And beyond that, later on, she had an incredible tragedy, but she had made room for God to move through this because her son actually gets sick and dies, but she's opened the door 
to the man of God, to Elijah being part of her world, part of her life, and for her to receive ministry from him. So when she calls on him, he comes, he cries out to God, and her son is miraculously raised from the dead. That's pretty good benefits from giving, you'd agree. Well, let's go to the other end of the scale. From a really, really poor woman, such thousands of years ago, to a really, really rich man, only a hundred years ago. Probably the richest self-made man of all time, John D. Rockefeller. You may have heard the name. He was a man who knew how to set goals, how to follow through. And in fact, in his early years, they reckon that every decision, attitude and relationship that he had was tailored to create his own personal power and wealth. And it worked for him because he had oil businesses and uh, he had already become a millionaire by the time he was 23 years old. This is in the 1800s, late 1800s. By the time he was 50, he was the world's first billionaire. But then at the age of 53, he became really ill. His entire body was racked with pain. He lost all the hair on his head, which is not the end of the world. <laughs> Plenty of men around here would say amen to that. Um, but he was really in complete agony. He was the, the world's only billionaire and he could buy anything that he wanted, but the only thing he could digest, they said, was milk and cheap biscuits. And an associate wrote, he could not sleep, he would not smile, and nothing in his life meant anything to him. All his physicians, personal, highly skilled physicians, they predicted that he would die within a year. So he was approaching death, but he awoke one morning with the vague... Uh, remembrances of, of a dream that he had had. And it was something to do with him not being able to take with him any of his successes into the next world. And it was a wake-up call. He'd had a Christian upbringing and he realised that he needs to do something significant with his wealth. So he calls his lawyers, his accountants, got all his managers together and he announced that he wanted to channel his assets towards helping mankind, hospitals, research, missions work. And so on that day, the Rockefeller Foundation was established. Since then, the foundation has given away more than $17 billion. It's assisted education, medical research. It helped um, the Aussie uh, Flory, Flory. Uh, with uh, penicillin development, they supported that, uh, job creation, mission projects all over the world. And it's still giving because he left so much money that they are able to invest to increase the value of the fund while still giving away billions. Hello, that's a pretty amazing amount of money. Can you imagine? Imagine, you know, investing $1,000, earning 10% interest and only giving away the 100 bucks, but building, it's pretty mind-blowing. But, Perhaps the most amazing part of his story is what happened to him. Because as he began to give back a portion of all that he'd earned, his body's chemistry changed. It got so significantly altered that he got better. And so from looking like he was going to die at 53, he lived to, get this, 98 years old and had a fantastic life watching all the value of his... Talk about it's more blessed to give than to receive. You know, wouldn't you love to be able to just... Bill Gates, what did he buy, 100,000 chickens the other day for, you know, planting into villages to give people self-sustaining? We can do that on a slightly smaller scale. Uh, you know, enjoy the benefits of sowing uh, into other people's lives. 
so Rockefeller, he was not only the benefactor for so many, but he was the beneficiary from his own giving. And when asked what the key to making so much wealth was, he famously replied this, God gave me the money. He credited it to the Lord. And which is exactly what we we're talking about last week. You know, Deuteronomy 8, 18 says, God gives you the power to make wealth and we shouldn't take the credit for ourselves. He's not the only famous person to remember the Lord in their wealth or how they used it. Colonel Sanders, founder of KFC, get this. He said, my prayers have always been of thankfulness. God has been so good to me. Tithing is a great inspiration in my life. People don't know that I gave most of my money away. Most of it goes to churches. He was also quoted as saying this. I love this. There's no need to be the richest man in the cemetery. You can't do any business from there. So he was, you know, giving it away. A couple more quotes and I'll finish up. Sir John Templeton. I've read about him and I want to share a bit of his story one day. He was a rich investor, another amazing philanthropist. And he said, the best investment with the least risk and the greatest dividend is giving. Simply said. And then finally, we heard J. John preach at the Presence Conference this year. Very entertaining, wonderful uh, man uh, from England. And uh, he says, which I won't try and do his accent, but you've got to go and look him up if you're not familiar with his um, manner and his, uh, his t- tone of presentation. Um, J. John, Reverend J. John, uh, he says, The grass is not greener on the other side or this side, but on the side that you water. And I thought that was sweet and cute and, uh, and kind of pithy. Uh, and it's so true because we can always think, we talked about this last week as well, comparing, oh, what if I had that? Or I wish I had those circ- set of circumstances or that person's net worth. Or oh, if I was over there. Well, the grass isn't greener on the other side because some of us have jumped over to the other side and found that out. And, um, and yet we do have the opportunity to water the grass that we're in. And we do that by giving, not just looking after ourselves, but looking after others and looking towards God and seeing what we can do to sow into his work. Amen. And so let's be generous people. Be radical. As I said, don't be silly, but pray and let the Holy Spirit stretch you. Because, you know, you've heard this analogy a million times. Giving is like uh, muscles, you know, use it or lose it. If if you're not exercising, your muscles are What's that medical word? Atrophy. You know, they go away. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, it's the same with our giving. Some people are atrophying their giving muscles. They're, they're just wasting away and they can sometimes sadly think they're being generous because they, you know, plonk a gold coin into the Salvation Army box at Coles. Uh, but God calls us to a life of radical generosity and we will never outgive God. He will bless us so that we can continually be a blessing and our giving muscles are called to be getting stronger and stronger and so we can be more and more useful for him. Hallelujah, let's pray. Father, we thank you. God, we look to you because you have been so incredibly generous towards us. You are the great giver. You loved the whole world so much that you gave your one and only son. And so, Lord, before we finish today, we think of the greatest gift we could receive and beyond the talk of stewardship and managing money well, number one, we just want to get right with you. We want to be walking with you. We want to make sure that we're in relationship 
with you and it's all possible through Jesus. Your death on the cross made a way for us to turn from our wicked ways, to repent from sin, to turn to God and say, Lord, forgive me. Help me to follow you. Help me to know you. Help me to walk with you all the way through this life and on into a home in heaven. You know, if you're seated here today and you're not confident of that journey towards heaven, if you're not assured of your place in God's family, in your home in heaven, if you're not walking personally with the Lord Jesus, then I want you to come and see me at the end of the service when we finish up and I'll pray with you. Simple and powerful prayer that can change your life forever, literally. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. Even if it's a recommitment, a rededication of your life, then come and see me straight as straight when we're finished at the at the end of the service. Come down here and I'll talk talk with you more and, and pray with you. If you need to get right with God, we thank you. Father God, for your presence. We thank you that you are building your church, each one of us growing, growing up, growing with maturity the way we manage our resources that are, that are yours anyway. Thank you, Lord God. We catch the joy of generosity and that we are strengthening those giving muscles into all different areas. And we thank you for the blessing that flows, the blessing of the Lord that makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. In every part of our lives, we thank you. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.